All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ podcast. Thank you for letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to episode 24 of the KISS FAQ podcast. I am your host this week, Lonnie Weissar, STL KISS on the board. And today I am joined by Julian, the admin, Ken, 69th Blizzard, and Mark, Marcus Almighty. Gentlemen, how are you today? I am good. 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 Vertical and I have a pulse. (laughs) That's about it. Well, before we get started today, I want to thank Ross Radley for being on last week's show. As of this morning... $32,808 $32,808 has been pledged toward the funding of Mark's book, Magic, Kiss Chronicles, 1973-1983. So if you haven't pledged yet, you need to go to kickstarter.com, search Magic, Kiss Chronicles. It's going to come up. It's real easy to find. Um, and just a reminder, Kickstarter is not the same thing as GoFundMe.com. You're not just giving money to... Ross and say, here, go make a book, Ross. I'm giving you, I'm gi- giving money away to you so you can go buy a pair of Air Jordans or something like that. <laughs> you know, you're, you're actually, it's not, it's, you're not giving money. It's not a GoFundMe where you're donating money. When you make a don't, you're not making a donation. You're making a pledge. You're pledging your money so that this book can get made. And if you pledge 50 bucks, you're not going to have to go back and buy the book after it comes out. You're already buying your book right now and it's yours when it comes out, hopefully around Christmas time. Um, and if you donate more, you get a little more goodies to go along with it. So it's at 32000 right now. I know the KISS Army is out there, and if you want this book to happen, that's what you got to do. you got to go to kickstarter.com and make your pledge. Um, today's topic is KISS singles in the United States. Do you agree with the selections KISS made for their singles? Do you disagree? And if so, which songs from each album would you have chosen? (laughs) Mark's got a little reference point for himself. Isn't that nice? So this might take a little while, gentlemen, so let's just get started. So the first album, there's three singles from it. Nothing to Lose, Kiss in Time, and Strutter. So, what are your thoughts? Ken, what do you think of the selections for the first three singles? Um, Nothing to Lose uh, as the first single. Um, It didn't work for me so much. Uh, Then, you know, I I wasn't a Kiss fan at the time the singles came out. I came into them in 77, but uh, just the choices alone, I would have not have picked Nothing to Lose. I would have not picked kiss in time um i would have picked maybe strutter as my number one single because um, that's just come on just a great song a well-written song um and my second one uh would have been uh deuce yep. would have been my second single off of the album and then you know maybe after that a third i don't know what the third would have been for me Colgin or something but uh i think Strutter should have been the number lead off, one leadoff single there. I don't know. That was it was crazy with them. 
uh, recording Kiss in Time uh, for that. It was just it was just a waste of time of them doing that. So, yeah, you know, I mean, Strutter's the first song on the album, so obviously they thought a lot of it, and they waited till um, the third single release for it to be released as a single. Um, it's kind of strange. And Deuce is is a staple in the Kiss set. I mean, it has been for forty years, and to to look back on it and to see that it was never that it wasn't a single off the album is really kind of shocking. And Kissin' Time was the only one that charted. It charted at didn't chart real high, but it charted at eighty three. And it wasn't a song that obviously they were real. It wasn't even supposed to be on the album. Even there, when they recorded it, the, you know, they told them, well, just do it and it's not going to be on the album. Then it ended up being on the album. And that's something they were, were really proud of. So it's kind of strange. What about you, Mark? What do you think? Um, well, I think what a lot of people seem to forget, though, is that whenever we talk about the single, we always say, I don't know why they picked it. But the, the fact of the matter is, I think they had very little to do with what got picked. I think it was mainly Bogart and the label that decided what came out and what didn't and I think Bogart kind of was you know the one thinking that he knew what was best being Mr. Singles Man right so um I have no real issues with their singles that they picked I wouldn't have picked those ones for sure either I would have for sure as the first single probably would have went with more like a strutter or something like that but for I wouldn't Kissing Time I understood they they used it as a gimmick they used it to help bolster sales and according to them Apparently it helped. Whether it did or not in the real world, I don't. We can't be certain, I guess. But um, I would have probably, for my single selections, I would have probably chose like Strutter for the first one, and I probably would have chose uh, Black Diamond actually for one of the singles. I thought that that one was really catchy. Um, you know, it also would introduced another singer in the band too, which was something that they always try to want to kind of push within the band to show that it wasn't just one person you know, guiding the boat there. So I would have probably picked that and uh, Strutter. And, you know, I would I would stay with Kissing Time if only just from thinking it from the perspective of sales for them. They, it was their first record. They wanted to push it a bit. So, you know, why not just, uh, you know, keep it like that, you know, to, to try to help with their sales. So I think that that's what I would have picked. Yeah, it's a... That's a good point. You bring up a really good point about about Bogart and, and being a real big singles guy. And, you know, there's a catchy hook and a catchy chorus and nothing to lose. It kind of sticks with you. And I can see why, you know, Bogart probably had a good hand in that and why that, why that was chosen as the first single. Um, Julian. I think, think no, nothing to lose was a dreadful choice. I don't see, you know, a song about <laughs> anal sex... As your first single from your first album, I don't, I don't know if Bogart actually realized what the lyrics uh, suggested. And, and this is nearly 18 months before Aerosmith walked this way, so I would never have done nothing to lose. Of course, looking back 40 years, I was three years old at the time, so this is highly revisionist point of view. Um, by the 80s, obviously, you're, do, you're, you're doing side A, side B is targeting your singles. So Strutter is a definite. That would have been the first single for me. It, it's they're a boogie band at that time. They're you know good time rock and roll. You know there's nothing serious about them. So Strutter would be my first pick, and it's a shame that when that came out in you know mid July, that it didn't do anything. Um, second one, you know do I'm going to go with Deuce as well. That's you know such an identifiable song for the band. Um, then you've got 
you know, Gene and Paul on one. You've got Gene on the second single. Uh, Kissing Time, I don't even think that really counts because it wasn't recorded for the album. Obviously, it comes for Bogart's um, promotional, um, you know, the Kissing Contest. And Bogart made them do it. It was in the contract that you had to, if I come to you and say you're going to do it, you're going to do it. So they didn't really have a leg to stand on. So my third pick would actually be Cold Gin. Get Ace out there. Again, it's a party song. It doesn't have any smart message. It's understandable. It's not about hookers like Black Diamond. It's not a, you know, about space travel like 100,000 years. So those three would have been great. Even let me know for that matter. So I agree. I think Let, let Me Know is probably my favorite song off that album. And it's never played live. It's something they've totally ignored. Even in the 70s and since they put back on the makeup. I know they've done it a, a couple times on the cruise. But Let Me Know is probably in my top five Kiss songs, to be perfectly honest with you. And I would have chosen that because you have the back and forth with Gene and Paul in that song. And I like, and I'm going to go with, with Ken. I would have chosen Deuce and Strutter also as my, to round out my three from the first album. Um, Kissing Time, it's just, I don't know, it's just it's just noise to me. I, I I skip it if I'm listening to the album, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> um, it's just a throwaway. So I guess we all agree that Strutter should have been on there, that that was a, that was a smart choice. But as far as the other two, I, I think we can say that, you know, kind of a missed opportunity that there could have been, um, you know, some better selections, that there is better stuff off that album than, than what was chosen. So... Second album, Hotter Than Hell, there's only one single, which is kind of strange. You go from three on the first one. Thank you, Mark. And you go from you go from three on the first album to just one, and maybe that has something to do with the with the production on Hotter Than Hell, that maybe they, it, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, that one wasn't well, well received, and the production on it is, is really lacking. So they choose Let Me Go Rock and Roll as a single. It's something that they had that had been in their set since before they recorded the first album. Um, so obviously they thought a lot of that song, and they they pushed forth the beginning. And it's a good riff. I really enjoy that song, especially the live versions of that song. I, I don't think the version on Hotter Than Hell really does the song justice, but I think you listen to the version on, on Alive and the version on... Um, Psycho Circus bonus disc with the original four on that. That is a yeah. really, really kick-ass version of that song. It's probably my favorite version of that song. Um, for me, the studio version of Let Me Go Rock and Roll, though, is n- is not what I would have chosen as a single of Hotter Than Hell. Um, you think enough of the album to call it Hotter Than Hell, and you don't release a song called Hotter Than Hell as a single, is a little baffling to me. So that would have been my choice. Is hotter than hell. Hotter than hell is the B side on the single, but I would have chosen hotter than hell as the A side. Um, I guess it's a it's a signature Kiss track, and I I, I don't agree with Let Me Go Rock and Roll as being as being the choice, especially that studio version. Julian, what do you think? Well, here's something just a, a little tangent on Let Me Go Rock and Roll. I was looking at some uh, royalty statements from June '75. 125 copies of Let Me Go Rock and Roll were sold as a single. Just 125. So for everyone who's searching for those, and we know they go for $1,000 plus, that's why. 
there are not many copies of that. What would I put? I, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you that the title track is makes sense, but I, I really think watching you would have been, you know, it, it's a bit more gritty, gutsy, and has the attitude that represents the album better for me, uh, with Hotter Than Hell on the B-side. So, I mean, if, if we're sticking with just one single from it, I mean, watching you, it, it's just, it, it kind of continues on better for me from the first album than Hotter Than Hell is, is, feels a little bit different, so. Yeah, I, watching you is great. It's, just a real groovy track. And you never know. Maybe maybe yeah. Peter would have threatened to quit the band unless they put his song out as a single. <laughs> it's always a possibility. Ken, what do you think? Uh, I agree with you, Lonnie, about Hotter Than Hell. Um, I remember I was buying the, the back catalog and the first time I listened to that album, that was the first song that kind of stuck out to me. Not because it's the same name as the the album title, but it was just it caught my ear first as a you know a typical uh, what you want to call single type song where it may catch your ear. Uh, you hear the hook you know faster than some other songs you listen to where you have to uh, listen to songs a few times. So uh, that that's why I always liked that song, and uh, that would be my. Number one single, uh, "Let Me Go Rock and Roll." I, d- I did like that, but it, it took a little longer for me to to grab onto that one. Um, but I agree with you; "Hotter Than Hell" would be my one single. Yeah, and you know, if if there's a second, I mean, we don't have to go. Um, we're looking at you know they did three off the first album, one off the second album. If you think that they should release a second single off of, or a, a third or fourth single off a certain album, you know, throw that out there. You know, I want to hear what you guys what you guys have to say. Mark, what do you think? Well, um, I think that the point we all brought up about the production being kind of lousy maybe did hinder the fact that there isn't, you know, only one single. I also think another factor in this was the fact that they had now lost their distribution deal with Warner Brothers and were out on their own now. So I'm guessing funding for me for releasing and promoting another single may not have been as you know present as the other stuff, like as the prior record. But uh, you know, let me go rock and roll. I don't, I don't hate the song. I mean, I don't think it's their strongest song in there. If I was thinking label guy wise, I would have maybe went with something like Mainline, which is more commercial and more easy to listen to. I think that would have maybe went over a bit better. But if I was in the band, like a member of the band, I would have maybe put, picked something like Got to Choose or something. I thought that was pretty, pretty rocking and pretty catchy, and it wasn't too long and. You know, I think it would have did the job better than Let Me Go Rock and Roll. Let Me Go Rock and Roll just seemed very generic. Like, it just seemed very 12-bar bluish, you know, and anybody and their brother could have wrote that song and put it out. I mean, what what made what made it so different that Kiss did it? I mean, at that point, they weren't that known at that time, so it wouldn't have really stood out as, hey, it's Kiss doing a song like that, right? So I think I would have went with, you know, got to choose if I would have had to choose it, so... That's my pick. And if there would have been a second single, I agree. I think Hotter Than Hell should have been the one for sure to be the next one. At least represent the album and, you know, try to push it that way, right? So that, those would be my two picks if I had to pick them. You know, I, I really like Got to Choose also. It's just, it's a great song, especially live. But for me, when I hear Got to Choose, that those opening chords on Hotter Than Hell, you hear that... Brr, 
and it just sounds like crap to me. But it's like it just it just sets the tone for what that whole album's production wise sounds like. <laughs> no, almost sounds like it's like out of tune somewhat. You know, because exactly. I remember even on the unplugged when you watch Paul play it the first time, even gives you that kind of odd look when he played it. Like it's like oh, like the. <laughs> I'm a sheep. I agree. <laughs> no, it it's absolutely perfect. You guys are becoming yes men already. Yeah, you know, you know, Bogart comes in and says, "You got to have a anthem. You got to do this. You got to do that." So rock and roll all night. It's just there's no way to change it. There's no way to to you know revise the history and edit out rock and roll all night as a single at this point. I mean, it's their first real chart progress as well, getting to 68. Um, you know, obviously that's not that much higher than 83, so uh, it's still mediocre. But it's a great song. It's the anthem. It's, you know, their national anthem. Come On and Love Me, which is one of my all-time favorite Kiss songs, would not change. Absolutely. It's a song I can happily say I adore. I just love everything about it. It's swagger. It's feel. It, you know, great song. And... I'll only disagree with you on Lover All I Can as a possible third single. Um, I would much rather have anything for my baby. You know, it's just short, catchy, Beatlesque, kind of in that structure of just short, verse, chorus, verse, you know. Very simple song. Good, you know, perfect radio fodder. You you just, you know, there you are washing the dishes, that song. You just start bopping your head. Yeah. You know, you're not thinking about it. It doesn't have any back doors in it. Um, you know, just a, a fun song, so... 
It's a little inside baseball right there. Julian does dishes to uh, anything for my baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, <No>. perfection. <laughs> Mark, what do you think? Uh, well, I guess this is one of the examples where we can say that Bogart did the right thing, and I think that those two singles were, you know, perfect. I mean, rock and roll, and I, like we already said, you know, I think at this point we're just being so oversaturated with it, you know, we always roll our eyes when we hear it, but back then, I think it was a perfect choice for a single. I mean, it, it just screamed single pretty much from the minute you heard it, and Come On and Love Me is one of the best songs off of that album, so I mean those two were the best choices for it. The only, the only quip I have or problem with the singles is that I don't know why they put Getaway twice on there. They could have took a, took a chance and maybe on the second single put a, put something like Rock Bottom maybe, you know, make a little edited version where they cut the beginning of the acoustic guitar, maybe only put it through once and fade it in from there and let it play the rest of the song. And I think you'd have a pretty catchy short B-side there. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that... I don't have any real problem with it. I think the production was a million times better on this album, so they had much more to work with. And I think by this point, Bogart had kind of, you know, figured what he wanted to do in terms of being on his own with Casablanca. So maybe he, you know, figured that he would take a chance and put out another single instead of just going out with one. And I think they were the right two choices to go with. I think that they were strong. Um, You know, even when they made those first promotional videos, that they ever made, I believe it was those two songs they used. So that just shows even further how much confidence and faith they had in them. So I think yeah, it was a good yeah. choice. I think it shows that they, they, they thought a lot of the songs um, that they used those in their first two promotional videos. So, Well, next up is Alive, and there's one single off of Alive. It's a live version of Rock and Roll Night. Um, we just sung the praises for Rock and Roll Night. I don't know if we need to go through and 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 um, sing its praises again unless you guys think that it, there should have been a different single off of Alive, but I think that for, for me, it's just, that's it's perfect. I mean, it, it's what launched their career, so. I believe there was a, there was a second single in Australia, I believe. Oh, here it comes. It, it may just be an error, and, and I never found this one, but they their, their first one was actually Come On and Love Me Live. Um, it, it's still got the same release code as the previous one, but it's listed as a live version. Now, I never found it, so I can't confirm that it was actually a live recording on that single, but it said live on the label. So, perfection again. <laughs> All right. On to <laughs> Destroyer. Four singles from Destroyer. Shattered Out Loud, Flaming Youth, Detroit Rock City, and of course, Beth. An album that is up there with, as people look at it as the best, a lot of people look at it as the best Kiss album, and that's a debate for another show. But there's four solid tracks on there. Three of them that are still played pretty regularly live. Shattered Out Loud peaked at 31 on the charts, so it's a strong response for the first for the first single. Flaming Youth, which is a big fan favorite that they toyed with playing live the first few shows after the Destroyer came out, um, and it went 
to up to 74. Didn't get a lot of response, and they dropped it from the set, and we haven't heard it played live since 76, which to me is a major disappointment. They haven't even played that live on any of the cruises or anything like that. And for Destroyer being put up in the high standards as it is, especially in the KISS camp, the inside the KISS camp, Gene always talks about everything is the next Destroyer, so obviously Gene thinks a lot of Destroyer. That they haven't played with some of those songs that they never play with, it's really kind of baffling to me. And then, of course, Detroit Rock City with Beth as the B-side, and Beth as the A-side, and Detroit Rock City is the B-side. Um, I don't think we're going to argue with Detroit Rock City. is the only one that didn't chart, which is kind of mind-boggling in itself that it's maybe Kiss's second signature track outside of Rock and Roll All Night. And we all know the story that Detroit Rock City wasn't getting a lot of airplay. People turned the record over, started playing Beth, and that spawned the release of the fourth single, obviously. Um, for me, Detroit Rock City, excellent choice, obviously. Beth, it's not my favorite Kiss track, but you can't deny what it did for their career, peaking at number seven on the chart. It made Peter a happy camper and made him stick around maybe a few more years at that point. Um, shout it out loud. It's a staple. Maybe not my favorite track. For me, I would have swapped out Shout It Out Loud with King of the Nighttime World. I think King of the Nighttime World is just a, a rocking, groovy track with Ace Frehley just all over it with his solos on there. Um, so for me, I would have gone... King of the Nighttime World, Flaming Youth, Detroit Rock City, and then I'm not a fan of Beth, but I'm not going to argue with the success of Beth. Um, those would be my four. Swapping out Shattered Out Loud, you guys might have a problem with that, so let's hear it. Mark, what do you think? Well, I mean, when you really take a look at this, there's four singles out, and really from the four singles, there's six songs, so you pretty much have like three quarters of the record released on those singles i mean there's only three songs i think that are not represented from you know the rest of the catalog but um you know i think they were they had enough confidence in this record to put out four singles you know they really went to the wall like with with uh, promoting this stuff and um what what came out at those times like you know shouted out loud being out first and then flaming youth um it's interesting because i i always thought that uh if I would have been in their position, I don't know why they wouldn't have just released Detroit Rock City first. I thought that was the strongest song off the album. Why not come out with your strongest song? But I mean, you know, what do I know? That one didn't chart at all, right? Out of all of them. I mean, apparently shouted out loud, I think, if I'm not mistaken, did really well in Canada even. And I think that it was almost number one at that point. But, um, you know, I think that the, the singles that they chose... This this album is kind of odd to talk about, you know, what they should have released because, like I said, they almost released the whole record in terms of singles. So, you know, what what didn't they release? You know, um, one could probably argue that instead of Flaming Youth, maybe I would have chosen Do You Love Me instead, right? I mean, that's kind of a catchy song, and I I like it a lot better than Flaming Youth, to be honest, right? But um, you know. But like Lonnie said, I mean, you could have even put King of the Nighttime World in there, right? I mean, that's another really strong song and well represents what the band's about. Um, as far as the singles go for this record, I mean, 
you could have picked pretty much anything. I mean, Beth was a no-brainer. I guess maybe in retrospect, it's a, it's a no-brainer because, you know, putting out a ballad would have been the smart thing to do. Every band does that. But, you know, three singles, one of them is going to be a ballad, right? And, you know, we look, we know the stories already about how well it did. And it pretty much saved the album from, you know, not doing as well as they had hoped, right? So that was a smart choice. But, you know, I think the only thing that I would have did differently is maybe the order in which the, the songs were released. Maybe I would have just did differently. I mean... Like I said, everything is pretty much there in terms of songs, but what would have came out first? Maybe I would have put Detroit Rock City in first, then come out with Beth second, and then maybe come out with those other two after. Because, I mean, at that point, you'd be hoping that the album's rolling, and usually the third and fourth single for most bands are kind of like, you know, a little bit of like the icing on the cake. You know, we've already did a lot with the first two singles. The next couple of ones are just kind of, you know, giving a little extra push at the end. So I think that, the singles they picked are good. I would have maybe just did them in a different order. That's all I think. Yeah, it really kind of set the precedent uh, with the way they did it with, with Beth. Beth really kind of launched the power ballad, especially if you look at like bands in the 80s, how they would release singles. I mean, I can remember being on watching MTV and a band would release an album, would release an album and their first track would, would be you know, a rocking track and the second one or the third one would always be the ballad. It, it became like a recipe with, with singles and videos, especially in the 80s. And, um, you know, Kiss maybe have been on the, the breaking, the groundbreaking of, of that of that trend. Um, Ken, what do you think? Um, shout out loud. I have no problem with them releasing that as the first single. That's a catchy song. I, I think of singles as in term of AM radio top 40. What's going to, you know, uh, catch those users or the not users, but listeners. Um, so shout out loud was fine with me. Uh, Flaming Youth, I wouldn't have gone with that. Uh, I would have actually, I would have preferred them to release "Do You Love Me" as a single. I thought that would have worked better, maybe on an AM radio top forty kind of release. Um, I think that's very, they're very lucky that they continued releasing after the second they could have stopped at their second release and Beth would have never been (laughs) picked up, you know, no one would have flipped it over to, to uh, make it a hit. I think at that time when they were releasing that, they were already pretty much thought the album was doomed and they started uh, recording rock and roll over. Um, So they were already in the studio, I think when Beth became a hit, um, so, uh, but I have, I have no problem with them releasing Beth. I mean, they kind of had to knee-jerk reaction there. Um, Detroit Rock City is, I, I agree with that as a single, but uh, I wouldn't have picked Beth in my own mind. Um, I wouldn't have picked Beth as a single, uh, but that's just my preference. Uh, but I think they're very lucky, and it's good that they noticed something was going on, and they quick turned around and, and created a single for Beth and pushed it out there quickly. Um, so that's that's where I think about it. Yeah, I don't think there was any intention of, of having a fourth single off the album. I don't think Beth took the place of any other song being the fourth single. I think it was, like you said, a knee-jerk reaction that, hey, we got something's happening here. We need to do We need to, to capitalize on this right away. So Yeah. Julian, let's hear it. Yeah, Ken had a good point about Beth. I mean, that thing didn't hit the charts until September. 
and that's the end of the touring cycle. doesn't hit number seven until December, so they're already out on tour for the next album by that time. So all I know is if I was sequencing the singles for Destroyer, I would have absolutely killed the band. <laughs> I would never have put Beth on an A-side or a B-side. Um, I probably would have started off with Detroit Rock City. It's just because of its position on the album as the opening track. Um, it's it's a declaration. Again, it's another anthem song. You know, just like Shout It Out Loud. But Shout It Out Loud was probably the perfect choice. I mean, it's just so happy, crappy pop. You know, it's very English pop as well, really. So yeah. it, it it's, it's a radio-friendly single. I would not have picked it because I don't happen to like the song particularly. So... My first one would have been Detroit Rock City, which doesn't chart. My second one would probably have been King of the Nighttime World, because, again, it's the band. It's like an advertisement for the band and, and what they do. Um, that it was a Hollywood Stars cover is another matter, so it would never have really gotten picked. And then I like Do You Love Me. Um, you know, after you've released two singles that have totally failed, you might as well ask the listening public, come on, man, do you love me? You know, and try that one, so... Have a little fun looking back on that, but Beth wouldn't have been a B-side. No way. Um, and I would have just killed Kiss at that point. No more records. Well, then, Julian, you wouldn't have gotten your favorite album, Rock and Roll Over. Then. I know. <laughs> Thank God I don't work in the industry. So, Rock and Roll Over, just two singles off that one, after four off of Destroyer. Hard Luck Woman, obviously they're trying to go off of, of the success they had with Beth with another ballad, keep Peter and Chris happy at the same time. It does fairly well, though. It goes up to number 15 on the U.S. charts, so you can't argue with the success of it. And then Calling Dr. Love, which did well, too, for a single. Um, one song that they play all the time, one song that... They haven't attempted other than some acoustic shows since the Unplugged era. Not even on the reunion or farewell did they ever do, even try to do Hard Luck Woman, which is kind of kind of disappointing because it, it did do well in the '70s. It was a it was a hit for them. So, um, I get I get what they were doing with Hard Luck Woman. Why they chose that to be a single? I mean, they just had success with Beth. Hey, why don't we put out another ballad? With the drummer singing again, let's see if we can see if we can't make history repeat itself. Calling Doctor Love, it's a signature Kiss track. Julian's already shaking his head. <laughs> I would have gone with Take Me. That's probably my favorite song on the album. I think it's a strong, has a strong chorus, very catchy. I think it would have done very well on radio airwaves in the seventies. Um, so, Julian, let's hear what you have to say because you're. You're down on calling Dr. Love. I, th I think they just killed it with Hard Luck Woman coming out. Beth's still on the charts, and the Hard Luck Woman's starting at the same time. And while it was nothing like Beth, and it just had Peter, Peter's voice, and it's in the Rod Stewart style, um, they should have saved it. You know, great song. Love it. Absolutely love it. But my first single off this would uh, probably have been See You In Your Dreams. And I, kn I know it's not, like, considered well, a complete... A complete song. It's just, I don't know. I, I like the attitude. I, I think it, again, it's kind of anthem-like, um, 
and it, I, I think it would have been time for a, a Gene song. I would not have done Calling Dr. Love um, at any point. That was, that's a great B-side for me. And then Hard Luck Woman after that. So, see you in your dreams. You know, again, it's just like advertising the band to me, um, rather than necessarily going for the song that's the most catchy. I don't think there's much agreement with that. That's a surprising Well, I do like Julian's uh, hat today. Um, <laughs> I don't. I have to. I have to disagree. I have to disagree with him. Um, uh, Calling Doctor Love. Actually, that's one of my first favorite songs when I first was getting into Kiss. Um, so I, I do not have a problem with that song. Um, I've always liked that song, and especially because of the, the guitar solo in there. That was one of Ace Frehley's best guitar solos in a song, if you ask me. Um, yeah, it's, it's just fantastic. It's perfect, you know. Um, so I, I have no problem with that. Now, Calling Dr. Lim should have been the first single. That was the second single, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I would have, like Julian, I wouldn't have followed up Beth with Hard Luck Woman. That's just two ballads in a row. Um, another funny story, though, I agree with those two singles, but another funny story about that, around that time when I was getting into Kiss, this is kind of a side subject, but I remember hearing that Rod Stewart song on the radio, uh, Hot Legs, mm-hmm. I think it is, and I, and I thought it was Kiss. I, when I first heard it, I thought, is that, is that Kiss? I didn't. I didn't know. Maybe because I heard the hard luck moment, and and I, you know, I was just getting into Kiss at the time. So, um, but that was kind of a, a funny thing. Is oh wait, that's Rod Stewart. <laughs> that's not Kiss. Um, so I agree um, that uh, their choices were right. Just the order. They should have flipped. Swap the order. Mark, what do you think? Well, as much as I respect Julian, um, I have to disagree with him. As well. uh, I got to say, honestly, that for me personally, calling Doctor Love and Take Me Under B Side is probably to me one of their strongest single releases of their whole catalog. I think, um, I, I think calling Doctor Love is one of the staple songs. I think it's one of the songs that people still in the audience want to hear all the time. I remember it's one of the songs when I first heard rock and roll over I thought it was awesome I mean being a guitar player I mean like you said that has one of the best ace really solos ever on that song um you know but I I think also I agree with Ken that the order should have been released they should have released Dr. Love first because honestly a hard luck woman being released as a single first is the first example to me of Kiss starting to follow some kind of trend right you know like okay best worked out now let's just come right out with another single again. Like it's already, they're starting to show those signs of, you know, being the follower instead of the leader already. And, um, you know, as much as I, Rock and Roll was my favorite album, but as, long, as much as I like Hard Luck Woman, I don't think still I would have picked that as a single. Maybe a third single, because for me personally, I would have rather put like something like I Want You with Hooligan, or, or not Hooligan, sorry, with uh, Mr. Speed, you know, instead. You know, like Paul Stanley putting the wrong songs on the wrong album. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I would have rather maybe put, like, I Want You instead. You know, like, something a little bit more, you know, rocking. I mean, as much as Calling Dr. Love is rocking, it's a bit more mid-tempoed and, you know, I Want You is a bit more upbeat. You know, even Making Love or something is a bit more upbeat. You know, something a little bit more 
catchy. And at this point, Kiss is already kind of well-established and could take a little bit of a chance and not have to think, you know, does it have to be super commercial? You know, we need people to, you know, to, you know, to really catch on to it. I mean, they were already selling, you know, pretty well at this point, I would think, right? So why not take a chance on that? So I, I think Dr. Love should have been the first single with Take Me. And I just think that they should have just maybe kept you know, Hard Luck Woman for a third single. I mean, at this point, they could have released three singles, no problem, I think. So why not just put a different song in and keep that one for third? Or maybe put that as a second single and put one more after it, you know, the three-single cycle, right? So yeah, that's, that's it, what I think. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we've all thrown out different songs. I threw out Take Me. Mark, you threw out I Want You. You threw out Mr. Speed. Julian even threw out See You, even threw out See You in Your Dreams, if you can believe that. And... Rock and Roll Over is just so good that you could have put out any song as a single on that, in my opinion. It's song, that album just just so strong. I mean, it, it, it really is. Kiss really found their groove in the studio with that album. And that's the best, to me, it's the best of the original six. It's the best sounding Kiss studio album. It's how you would expect Kiss to, to sound on a song. Yes. Um, so I, I I don't think they could have gone wrong almost with any single on that. Baby driver. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> Julian's just being difficult today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking my balls here, Julian. Right. Love gun. Two singles again off Love Gun. Christine sixteen, the B side of Shock Me. Love gun with the B side of Hulu. Um, for me, Christine 16, I would not have chosen to be the first single off of Love Gun. I wouldn't have chosen it to be a single off of Love Gun. I'm not hating on Christine 16, but why isn't I Stole Your Love a single off that album? I Stole Your Love is just fantastic. And to me, it's one of those songs like Come On and Love Me or like King of the Nighttime World. It's just Kiss. It's a signature Kiss song, it's a signature Kiss riff. It's just a band at their finest. And it, it's a shame that that song wasn't a single. It's a shame that they don't play that song live. I don't I don't yeah. get it. I've, I mean, I've, I've heard they've done it a, a handful. They've only done it maybe a handful of times since 96. Just a handful. I know they did it on the reunion tour um, at a few shows. Um, they've done it on a couple cruises. They did it on... Um, a live worldwide and some of the shows and they were kind of mixing up the set list a live worldwide in, in the u.s in that fall tour um there's a good copy of it from montreal that year but for me i still your love should have been the, the lead single off of love gun you thought enough of it to, again kind of like uh you know they, they thought enough of it to to make it the lead track on the album it just has that punch open riff and I, I think it's it's really Kiss in it really sums up Kiss in 1977 to me. So my two singles off of that would have been "I Stole Your Love" and "Love Gun," and maybe that would have caused maybe maybe the reason that's why it wasn't chosen because it might have caused a little bit of a riff having two Paul Stanley songs as the two singles off that album. But to me, they're the two strongest songs off that album, and to me, that's what you that's what you need to go with two strongest songs. So I say. I Stole Your Love and Love Gun would be my two singles. Julian, what do you say? Um, I'm going to inject some history into Love Gun. And 
At this time, they're already talking about pick your producers for your solo albums. So that's why we get four singles with all four members represented. Love Gun is Paul, uh, Hooligan is Peter, Ace obviously shocked me, and Christine 16. So I want to try and stay within that model of they're putting out their own songs. I would have let off a shock me. You know, A-side, Ace. His first, it's his debut. It's got so much stuff that they can really... Um, you know, kind of, kind of go to the press. You know, Ace Frehley's debut vocal, the new hit "Kiss" single, and I mean, it did pretty well. Um, you know, live. Obviously, it's it's in the set. It's an important part of the air. I would have put "I Still You Love" on the backside of that. You know, you know, put Paul on the B side for a change. As great as that song is, I would have taken "I Still Your Love" as a single over "Love Gun" any minute. Just because Love Gun is not radio-friendly in any sense, and it's just a little bit, you know, too far in terms of innuendo. Then, you know, for the other single, you don't have any choice with Peter. So I leave Hooligan on the B-side. But Gene, there's there's not a lot to choose from for Gene on this album. Um so I think I'd stick with Christine 16. Again, it's a little stylistic shift. They tried it with Hard Luck Woman. So I would I would just stick with Christine 16 for the second A-side. Interesting take and a great observation. I didn't even notice that, that they went with, with the four songs being the lead vocals on each four of the guys. It's, it's a very nice observation. <laughs> Mark, what do you say? Well, actually... Julian mentioned what I was going to mention exactly about that, about each guy having a song represented in the singles. Um, the only thing I think that I would have did differently <clears throat> is I agree about killing Love Gun and putting I Stole Your Love instead. I think it's a much better song. Personally, I would have kept that as an A-side, though. I think that it's just too good a song to put on a B-side. I mean... I think Shock Me still should have stayed as a B-side only for one reason. I understand the theory that Julian put out about how they could use it to, you know, put a bit of more press behind it. But I think at this point, you know, Ace Freely, you know, people love him as a guitar player. I don't still think, though, that he's being regarded so much as a, as a songwriter at this point. I think if that song would have been released after his solo record came out, where everybody heralded him as, like, such a great, you know singer-songwriter, well, maybe not a singer, but such a great songwriter, that record did so well for him, anything he would have put out after that, I think, would have did really well, right? I think that Shock Me would have been an even stronger single after that point. But, you know, at this point, it's still a great song. I love Shock Me. It's one of my favorite songs off of that. But I still would have kept it as a B-side. I Stole Your Love A and put that there and to keep the representation of him being on the record. I mean, like you said, with Hooligan... You know, you don't have any choice. If you want Peter on there, you got to keep Hooligan on there, right? And I mean, and, you know, it's just a packy kind of 50s kind of song, but I mean, whatever. I mean, you have Peter on there, you have a singing, so you can't complain, right? Um, Christine 16. Um, I think I wouldn't have put that on there. I mean, I don't mind the song, but I think if you're going to talk about a non radio friendly song i mean as much as it has a piano kind of thing on there and it kind of sounds you know it could be commercially friendly talk about a topic that's not really you know nice to put on a song for people to listen to i mean you know you're talking you know at this point maybe gene was what in his late 20s so it maybe wouldn't have been as creepy talking about some 16 year old girl but 
I mean, it just sounds disturbing when he sings that song now at 60 years old, you know, with that partner. And I even remember reading that Ace Freely thought that it was the stupidest thing he's ever heard and wanted it off the song, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, I think, honestly, I would have rather put Plaster Caster on there than Christine 16, you know? I mean, that to me, it was still catchy. It had a pretty good groove to it, you know? I mean, it, and I think it's just less... You know, I mean, sure, the, the, the subject matter about plaster caster isn't exactly the smartest either, but I think less people would have maybe caught on to it than what he was so blatantly talking about in Christine 16, right? So, yeah. but other than that, that, I think if you're just going to look at it from a, from a perspective of, you know, keeping everybody happy, it was a smart move to give everybody a song. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's, I think it's just a matter of preference, what songs would have went on there? Those would have been my four. Who's to say that Julian's choices wouldn't have been the right one? Who's to say that Ken's choices wouldn't have been the right one? You know, that's all, you know, hearsay right now. I mean, you know, if we could go back in time and change it, who knows what would have happened, right? But those are my picks, and I still think that the original ones were, you know, pretty decent. I mean, it didn't hurt the album. The album did pretty good, right? So, but those yeah. would be my picks. I think... Carnal Knowledge with a 16-year-old girl in 1977 was probably a little risque at the time. So. <laughs> but it, it's yeah. interesting that it's the lead single. Ken, what about you for Love Gun? Well, I like Christine 16. But uh, <laughs> that, I think they should have changed the, uh, the middle part there where Gene is talking to some other thing like not saw you coming out of school that day, maybe when I saw you in class that day or something like that. So you put yourself on the level that you are the same age as that person, maybe. (laughs) Not that you're, you know, out there looking at a car. I saw you coming out of school when I had my binoculars looking at you. (laughs) So it's watching you part two. (laughs) Right. So that's the only thing I, that's, you know, top 40 that probably got creepy, you know, in a way, in a sense. Um, I would have, uh, chosen uh, what was it? I actually thought about it. Um, Love Gun. Um, no, I would have chosen Plaster Caster, even though that one has innuendo there. Um, uh, that one is very catchy song to me. It was and it's great on, for instance, Unplugged. Um, so uh, I think it's a great song. Um, it's I'm thinking top forty material here. Um, so some of these other songs I just can't go with uh, because, I, yeah, like Julian said, Love Gun is really, you're not going to play it on Top 40. It's an FM kind of staple back yeah. then. Um, so um, otherwise, I don't have too much problem with their their choices. Christine 16, though, did work for me as the lead-off single. So Ken goes with two Gene songs off of Love Gun. It's interesting. yeah. Two, I was a jeans, big jean fan. Back two jean songs with windows <laughs> off of off of Love Gun. Very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alive Two follows Love Gun. Two singles off there. Shout out loud, live version with nothing to lose as the B side on that. Which is why I don't understand that at all. You have an album for the albums worth of live material. Why do you revisit a live one? with the B-side on there. Doesn't make any sense. But, um... And then Rocket Ride off of side four of the live four. And with Tomorrow and Tonight as the the B-side on that. Rocket Ride, brilliant. 
brilliant Ace Frehley song. Why it was never played live with Kiss, I don't understand because it's it's just Ace Frehley at his best, just balls to the walls, Ace Frehley, and it's just it's it's a signature riff. It's just a signature Ace Frehley song. It kind of stands. It kind of sums up what Ace Frehley is all about. Why it wasn't played on the Alive 2 tour, why it wasn't played on the Reunion, Cycle Circus, Farewell Tour, I don't understand. And, you know, maybe Ace Frehley doesn't understand either, but yeah. I don't I don't, I don't, don't get it. I think that would have been a really cool song to come back with, especially on the Reunion Tour, to come back and instead of, I like New York Groove, don't get me wrong, but instead of playing New York Groove, play that, I think that would have been, I think that would have gone over like dynamite. Or, you know what, throw three Ace Frehley songs in there on the Reunion Tour, why not? I mean... I think Rocket Ride would have been fantastic on there, especially that it was never played in the day, and then you're coming back with Ace and Peter, and you play Rocket Ride. It would have been kick-ass. So, obviously, Rocket Ride is a single up there. I am totally on board with Shout It Out Loud, the live version on there. I get that, too. Um, especially the, the live version on there, how it ends with the bombastic ending, and Paul Stanley with the signature Paul little, you know, you know, you people want a little bit of rock and roll. Just classic Paul Stanley. Um, I it's it's a great selection. The only other I would, the only other thing I want to say is maybe Detroit Rock City, the live version on the live two is is kick ass to me also. But I don't have a problem with either one of these as being singles off of a live two. Mark, what do you think? Well, again, when you kind of look at this for a second there, it almost looked like they were going to try to redo the idea of keeping everybody happy. Shout it out loud is a Paul tune. Rocket Rides is an Ace song. Nothing to Lose is an odd selection, granted, but it is a Gene tune. And if they would have kept everybody happy, maybe they would have kept Hooligan, the live version, in there to keep Peter happy. But they, they didn't do that. They put in Tomorrow and Tonight, which is, frankly, you know, I don't like that song at all. Um but uh, in terms of the singles being released, Shout It Out Loud, yeah, it's a, it's a good uh, single. I don't think there's any problem with that being a single from that album. I mean, at this point, you know, they're riding the wave of success, and I think at this point they felt confident they could have released pretty much anything off of this, and it would have did fairly well. I mean, they probably felt that confident about this record. But, um, you know, Shout It Out Loud I think is a good song. Um, the Nothing To Lose selection is interesting because when you read about it, it said that it was just, it just barely made the cut. It, it got removed almost at the kind of at the last minute from the record. And that's why they kind of put it in as the B side, because it was apparently that close to being considered to be on the record. So I guess as a B side, you know, they saw no harm in putting it on there. Right. Um, it's all right. It's not the, it's not any kind of like special outstanding version of the song, but it's decent. Uh, I agree. Rocket Ride, you know, side four being as legendary as it is from this record. Everybody always talks about side four, side four, side four. Um, Rocket Ride is definitely the best song on there, like hands down, you know, and uh, it was the smart choice to put that on there. Uh, I mean, after Shock Me, being on the last record and not doing so well, I think Rocket Ride just showed that Ace was really coming into his own as a writer and as a guitar player, and it was a great, great move. Uh, Tomorrow and Tonight is the only song I would have put just anything else on there. I mean, I, I don't know. I've never really liked that song. I just think it's a poor man's, you know, rock and roll night or something, and just a, you know, attempt to make another raw, raw song. And uh, I, I think they could have put anything on there. 
know, I mean, whatever, live version of Making Love or the live version of whatever, you know, anything could have been put on there. You know, why not even just put another, you know, why not just put another song from Side 4 on there? I mean, why not? I mean, at this point, they're, that, that is considered part of a live, too. So if they put, you know, Rocket Ride in there, why not put All-American Manor or, or Larger Than Life or something on there instead for the B-side, you know? But, uh, you know, like I said, I think this record, you know, they were so confident and they were so popular at this time, they could have put pretty much anything on here and it would have been a, you know, a success. I mean, just just a little tidbit, though, from a live one, it's interesting, though, that the Rock and Roll Night version that was on there, the live version, was not the album version. It was actually a, a different mix of it with actually a little bit of different stuff in there. Mostly, at the end, Paul puts, says something at the end of the song that's not on the actual live one album. So I th- there seems to be this tendency of, with the live singles to make it a little bit different, hence probably putting nothing to lose on there to keep that kind of, you know, difference in there with the singles, right? So, um, yeah. But I think for a live two, you know, tomorrow tonight is the only song that I just have an issue with. I mean, I would have put anything else in there, even you know, whatever. Like Detroit Rock City, put there, put that on there. I mean, just put anything in there except tomorrow tonight. That's what I. That's what I think. <laughs> no love for the poor man's rock and roll all night for Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, what about you? What are your thoughts on the singles from a live two? I have no problem with them. Um, I would just would have flipped them. Rocket Ride first, and then uh, Shout Out Loud's Fine as the second single. Um, again, it, like Mark said, it could have been anything. It could have released anything off of this thing. So um, I'm just going to go with that, that I agree with the singles. I just would have flipped the sequence, a release. Yeah, they're really at their, at their zenith at this point, and they're, they're they almost, you're just like a batter, it's like a, Baseball player, it's in the zone. He like can't miss the pitch almost at this point in their career. <laughs> yeah. Julian, what about you? Well, you know how I said I didn't care for "Shout It Out Loud." I still don't care for it, even if it's live. <laughs> um, I, I think structurally, I would have probably gone "I Stole Your Love" live because you know I just happen to like that song. I, I don't think it would help sell the album, but. I don't want to hear Shout It Out Loud. Yeah, I don't care if it's an anthem or not. Tomorrow tonight, I don't want to hear it either. Um, you know, Rocket Ride is perfect. Simple as that. It, it is just the perfection um, of all the stuff on that fourth side of the album. So wouldn't change a thing there. I, I think just I Still You Love, maybe backed with, you know, maybe, I don't know, the live version of Beth. You know, maybe that could have given it a little more tape. What's really kind of interesting is they did consider a third single. And the song, Any Way You Want It, was considered. So, go figure that. Um, And, yeah, enough said. They got it right. I I never understood Nothing to Lose being on there. That was just, you know, they should have put on, you know, um, one of the other studio songs. For, for that matter, maybe Rockin' in the USA, and then flipped for the second single to one of the studio tracks um, with a, li- a live B-side. So, yeah, Everybody talks about side four of a live two being so classic, but you have to remember, anyway, anyway you want it, to kind of how the album wraps up. That's, that's, yeah. To me, that's right up there with, with Kiss on Time. It's one that I, I skipped 99 times. On yeah, one, just, one of the most pointless songs ever. Or Then She Kissed Me. <laughs> it's unlistenable. I just can't listen to it. Um, so double platinum. Um, 
one single off there, the Strutter 78, the remix version of Strutter. It's a greatest hits album. They take the one song that they remix the most and make that the single. It's kind of it's kind of has a, a different feel to it. People say it's a start of Kiss going a little bit disco, a little disco feel to it. Do you guys have any thoughts on that at all? Or? Well, well, didn't they... Did, did they okay? Didn't they uh, re-record that? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's okay. the boss. Yeah, it. I think they re-recorded it for seventy-eight. Yeah, they 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 messed with it in the studio. They also apparently, and I don't know whether they did record. Um, they had two songs they planned to do. One was Strutter, and they may have intended to redo Firehouse. So. The drum beat is vastly different. I mean, he's doing like a double sixteenth note pattern in the hi hat on this version of Strutter, which is definitely not how he played it on the original version, right? So, and the mix is also different than the double platinum album version too. Like, totally different. If you listen, love to the, the single side. version. Love the echo and the drums. That's, the, the that's one of the best singles and one of the few alternate things that really matter on a single rather than a chorus being edited out or a solo being shortened. That's one of the, the real singles, and that's why that Casablanca singles box is really cool. Yeah, that's the best part about that Casablanca single box, in my opinion, is that version of Strutter. It was phenomenal. Um, talking about that box, said we were talking about Detroit Rock City earlier. First, I was listening through that, and that Detroit Rock City single on there is just so butchered. I thought there was something wrong with my CD, but oh, no. I was listening to it. I was like, what is this? And then I put on the other one that has you know, reverse with Beth and Detroit Rock City. It's the same chopped up version. Oh, this is awful. Maybe that's why it didn't do so well as a single, because it is so chopped up on there. Yeah. Any other thoughts on, on Strutter 78, guys, before we jump into the solo albums? Yeah, I, I, I don't think you can change it as the single. I mean, it's, no. You know, otherwise, you know, you can pick just about anything, and they would probably have picked a Shout It Out Loud on here. Uh, no. 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 Wow. So no, they, couldn't, they couldn't do that. Uh, I, I think that it's the logical choice. I mean, really, what else would you release? I mean, that's the song that they worked on. It's the song that that's different from anything else on there in terms of hearing it. You know, it's not like an album cut version. It's a totally different thing. And if you're going to put a single out, why not put in something, give something new to the fans? I think that's the main reason to do it. Yeah. It's, and it's a great it's album. It's the one song they reworked the most. So it makes, makes the most sense. Exactly. So on to the solo albums. We get one from each, except we get two from Peter Chris because, because, mm-hmm. um, so, so let's just take a look at solo albums as a whole instead of doing them individually. Um, Paul Stanley, Hold Me, Touch Me, Ugh. Ace Frehley, New York Groove, Gene Simmons, Radioactive, and Peter Chris, Don't You Let Me Down and You Matter to Me. Um, Hold Me, Touch Me is not a good representation of Paul Stanley's solo album at all. It's 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 maybe one of my least favorite songs on that album, but if I'm going to choose one song as a single off of Paul Stanley's solo album, and there's a lot to choose from, I would go with Tonight You Belong to Me, um, with Wouldn't You Like to Know Me as the B-side, because I think that's the second best song on there, is instead of Goodbye as the B-side. Um, Ace Frehley, New York Groove, I'm not going to argue with the success on that, it peaked at number 13 on the charts. Um, but I would have put Rip It Out as the B-side 
instead of Snowblind, because I, I, I love Rip It Out, and I love the way that album opens with that, with that riff, and it just sets, again, it's one of those songs that like sets the tone for an album. Gene Simmons, then we start getting to the, the other side of the solo albums here. Gene Simmons, um, Radioactive, I guess so. There's, I, I don't know, in my opinion, there's not a whole lot to choose off a Gene solo album as far as a single goes. I guess I'd go with Radioactive also. And I don't get the See You In Your Dreams is the B-side. I don't get that song being on the album at all. Sorry, Julian, I know you're a fan of See You In Your Dreams, but you're not a fan of, of this version. <laughs> but, um, I, don't, I, I, I thought it was odd when I bought Gene's solo album that See You In Your Dreams is on there. I'm like, isn't that on a Kiss album already? Why Why are we reworking Kiss songs on your solo album? Um, I think I would have put See You Tonight as the B-side on, on Jeans, just because it has a real Beatles feel, and we all know how, how big of a fan Gene is of, of the Beatles. So I'll stick with Radioactive as my A-side, though. And Peter Chris, you got to pick two singles off Peter Chris's album. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Julian's shaking his head. He's not going to do it. He refuses. He's going rogue on me. Um, I would go with, I would have gone with I Can't Stop the Rain. I think it's the best song on the album. And I would have gone with that as the lead single of Peter Salem. Especially with the, the success they've had with Peter in ballads, why that wasn't chosen as a single is really peculiar, peculiar to me. I can't talk today. Um, I would have gone with See You in Your Dreams. And I would have gone with Hooked on Rock and Roll as an A side instead of the B side on, on both the singles like it's listed. Um, I think it's a, it's a it's more of a rocking track and this, you could show the two sides of Peter Chris with if the album wasn't you could you know they they were one of the push Peter's album wasn't selling well and I think a better way to market Peter's album was you could have, have gone with a with the ballad and then with the more rocking upbeat tune with Hooked on Rock and Roll and and I can't stop the right. So those are my choices from the solo albums. Ken, what do you think? I'll keep it quick here. Uh, yeah, I believe Hold Me, Touch Me, no. I would have went with, like you said, Tonight You Belong to Me would have been the uh, the single from that. Um, Ace Frehley, New York Groove, perfect. That's probably the most logical uh, single off of, the, off of his album, even though everything's great on it. Um, Gene Simmons, um, I would have went with See You Tonight as the lead-off single on that instead of Radioactive. Um, to me, that is, even though it's not typical Gene, Kiss Gene, it's, it's, a, it's a really good song, um, catchy song. Um, Peter Chris, uh, like you said, can't, can't, I Can't Stop the Rain, that would be my number one single off of that. I don't know why they didn't release that. Um, uh, Don't You Let Me Down as a second single. I would have put that as a second for that one. Um, B-sides, I don't pay too much attention to unless they're really great B-sides that they should have put as a lead single. Um, B-sides are usually the song that they don't expect to release as an A single. Um, so that's why I'm not going to mention the B-sides. Uh, so uh, these, those are the ones that I like for the solo albums. Mark, what do you think? Okay, well, I think I'm going to be, you know, 
with the group here and say that Hold Me, Touch Me has got to be the single worst syrupy single I've ever heard in my life and would never have chose that in there. I mean, the funny thing is when you look at the A-sides that were selected, I mean, you have newer groove for Ace, Radioactive, and when they played on Dynasty in the tour, they played those songs they chose for their selections as the representation of their solo record and the live forum. Why Paul didn't at least put, you know, move on, since that was the one he picked live, as part of the single, I mean, it didn't have to be the A side, it could have been the B side, because everybody knows that Tonight You Belong To Me it had to have been the A side, I mean, I don't know why it wasn't, I mean, I understand that maybe you thought, oh, the, you know, you know, a more valid thing would work better for Paul, but no, it just, I thought it was terrible. Um, New York Groove is, you know, like we said, we can't argue with it, it did well, it is a catchy song, and, you know, definitely sounds like an A-side. I mean, for the B-side of that, I mean, I think that whole record is pretty pretty awesome, to be honest with you. I mean, what what he put as the B-side, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, Snowblind, I think it's a pretty cool song. I mean, I would have maybe even put a Speeding Back to My Baby maybe as the B-side. That was a pretty catchy tune. Um, Radioactive, I think, is the best song off of Gene's album. I mean, in the tradition of his singles this also had a different mix to it and a different edit than the album version and uh you know i think it's a good song one of his best ones i mean i really don't like the see you in your dreams version on this record i really don't like it at all um um and so from there i guess uh you know it didn't really matter i mean i think i would have maybe put you know um Burning Up With Fever maybe as the B-side for that. That's kind of a interesting song and it had some, you know, it was a bit more of a R&B-ish flavor. Maybe it would have crossed over a little bit for Gene, you know, since he was so interested in doing that, it seemed, anyways, with this record. And as for Peter Chris, oh, um, that is a record I, I've really, really tried. Kiss fans who are watching this, believe me when I tell you, I have tried numerous times on long car drives when I went on tour with my band I put this record in tried to get into it to listen to it and I just can't do it I mean I don't care what he would have put as an A or B side nothing would have worked for me on this record I mean I you think logically I would have I would have still said you know you still matter to me would have been an okay A side it's an upbeat you know the disco era was starting it is very disco-y why not put that out I mean, and I agree, the ballad, uh, I Can't Stop the Rain, would have been probably my other B-side choice. And for the B-side, I mean, Hooked on Rock and Roll is okay. I wouldn't have put it on both singles, though. Why not try something else, you know? I mean, it's, it's, he was having such a hard time selling it. Why put a song that didn't do well the first time around? Why put it on again? It didn't do good the first time. It's not going to do it any better the second time, so put something else on. So, But those would have been my two B-sides. So that, that's what I think of the solo records. Julian, what are your selections for the four solo records? Um, I, I'm going to start with Gene and See You Tonight. I would have gone completely outside the box. Radioactive's too rock. But I, I do want to say that they should have only released songs that they were going to perform on the Dynasty Tour live. Simple as that. So I, I, I still don't see why Paul did move on. But uh, So See You Tonight, and I think the B-side on that could have been Radioactive. That just would have been fine. Aces... Obviously, New York Groove can't change. B-side, I would have put Rip It Out. Um, you know, just had him totally rocking. Peter, 
I can't stop the rain. I, I'm sorry. I love that song. I, and but I would have put hooked on rock and roll on the B side. Um, I would have actually given the second single off a solo album to Ace since he's actually deserved it. But if Peter's got to have another one, then I agree with Mark and you matter to me. You know, it's kind of disco-y. You know, he wasn't going to conquer the world with it. But I'd back it with uh, That's the Kind of Sugar Papa Likes just because, you know, that's basically the four songs off the album that I think are, you know, really pretty good. Paul! Paul, hold me, touch me. I'm going to just echo everyone's sentiments on that, that... It didn't make any sense. Um, but I'm going to say Wouldn't You Like to Know Me had to be the A-side for Paul because that's just probably one of the better songs for me. I would not use "Love," uh, what is it, Goodbye as the, the B-side. I mean, that's just, you know, it may make sense as a closer for an album, but it's not a great song. You want to have something that's got at least half a chance of being flipped over on a single. That's the whole idea to B-side. Um, I would have probably gone with, uh, you know, Move On. You know, because it, it's it's decent enough to be the B-side, but not good enough to be performed live. So, not not too many drastic changes. I'm not going to, um, you know, get stupid, you know, with the choices there. Just go with yeah. what sounds good. There's, there's a lot to choose from with, with Ace and, and Paul's solo albums. And, and I think it, it, it gets a lot harder to choose songs in a different way when you get down to the other two. So... Um, so Dynasty, we get two singles off of there. With I Was Made for Loving You, which peaks at number 11, and Sure Know Something, which they obviously they play I Was Made for Loving You on the Dynasty tour, and Sure Know Something gets that video release treatment um, similar to I Was Made for Loving You, the recording at the same time. and But no love for Sure Know Something on the tour, which is... I don't know. I don't. I thought that's kind of strange because "Sure Know Something" to me is a is a fantastic Kiss song, and I I would love to hear an electric version of that song being played live. I think that'd be really interesting. Maybe maybe they tried it in rehearsals and it just didn't work. It's maybe what's one of those songs you hear about that, that songs that just don't work out being played live. Um, Hard times is a B side and Dirty Living is a B-side. No love for Gene as far as an A or B-side on this album. But I don't know if Gene brought a whole lot, whole, whole lot to the table for, for Dynasty as, but for other albums. But um, Interesting, Magic Touch is one of my favorite songs on the, off that album, and it didn't get any any respect as far as a single release or even a B-side release. I think it's a, it's a lost gem on that album. I'm not going to argue with the success of "I Was Made for Loving You" going up to number eleven. It did a lot. It did well. It did a lot for him in in different ways. You know, it, it, it was a hit single, but people looked at it as, as a disco track and Kiss really chasing the trend at the time. Um, I don't have personally. I don't have a problem with the two releases as singles. I like I like both of the songs, and, and I'm not going to argue with this. I'm not going to argue with the success of "I Was Made for Loving You." Um, you know, a lot of people have a problem with it, but it was it, it was a big hit for him. I mean, like it or not. So, Julian, what do you think? I, I think I Was Made For Loving You Can't Be Touched. Simple as that. Um, I think the B-side, though, Hard Times. When Ace had the biggest single and solo album the previous year to put on Hard Times on the B-side is disingenuous, and it doesn't serve any purpose. I would have actually thrown a Gene track on the B-side because... 
Yeah, number one, we can look back and know that I was made for loving you is going to number 11. It's going to be a hit. So the B-side on that one's totally not going to count. Well, Gene's songs on this album pretty much don't count. So throw, <laughs> you know, throw X-ray eyes on as the B-side to that. Uh, second single, sure know something. They would never have been able to perform live adequately at this time. So I think it's better saved. We know it comes a much better performance if it comes live far down the road. So I would not have done that. I would have given the second single to Ace because of how strongly he had done um, rocking. So Save Your Love, uh, which is another one of my all-time favorite songs. I, I think it just would have made more sense to follow up New York Groove with Save Your Love um, and then give Peter the B-side on that because, again, then you get the four voices represented again, which is what they went three-quarters of the way doing with these singles, you know, the A and B selections on these two singles, um, you know, but just do it right. So that, you know, you know, Dirty Living, yeah, it's really a pretty crap song, but consign it like X-Ray Eyes to the B-side of a good song. Yeah, I think the hardcore fans are going to say that, that Gene and Paul were afraid to have Ace have a single off a of Dynasty, that, that they, they didn't want Ace to have too much success. Oh, to- totally. I, Agree. I can, you can totally see that, you know, that, that they were a little intimidated by the success of Ace's solo album, and, you know, we're not going to give him a single, we don't, you know, this is this is our band type of, type of deal, so I can... I, I agree with you. Save Your Love is fantastic, and it could have been, you know, a, a nice hit for him. But I think I think there could have been some underlying reasons as to why why it wasn't. So. Damn politics. Ken, what do you think? Well, while I was made for loving you and sure know something, you know, those are fine. Those are obviously I was made for loving you is a great song, and it worked for them uh, as a, as a hit single. It didn't work as uh, for their their fan base, um, a lot of their fan base didn't, you know, approve of that. Um, I, if I was going, going to rethink of this, I actually would have picked a Gene song as a lead single. I would have oh. picked Chari- Charisma oh. as a lead single. I really would have picked it. Uh, yeah, I would have picked that one. I just think it's a, it's a, it's a good song to me and another great Ace, Ace Frehley solo in that one too. Uh, he seems to do, he really crank out good ones in Gene songs. Um, uh, then the other one is, uh, I think a sleeper is for me is magic touch. I think that's a really well-written song, a really good song that, that could have been a hit to me on a top 40. Um, it really is a well-crafted song. Um, but I, I have no real problem with, I was made for love. It's, you know, it makes sense. Um, now I, when I had the single that I bought, I was made for love you before the dynasty came out. I remember playing hard times though, all the time. On the on the flip side, I thought that was a great song. Um, that's actually that's my favorite Ace Frehley song off of that. Um, that's one of my favorite songs off the off of Dynasty. So, but you know, yeah, it's hard to rethink this stuff. But uh, you know, I was made for love you. I can't I can't go against that. No, I mean, as, as much as people are back and forth on it, I, I I think you can't argue with the success of it. Mark, what do you think? Well. Like you said, I mean, I was made for loving you is sort of a no-brainer. I mean, they were purposefully writing a hit single, and they got it, right? I mean, interestingly enough, though, this single version, again, is not the album version. It's the one that appears on Killers, actually. Um, and it was, you know, it's interesting that it was actually it was supposed to be on Killers, and it didn't end up on there, I think they said. But it's a, it's a different mix. 
needless to say, and same with Hard Times, the ending of Hard Times on this version is different than the album version. It ends with like a kabang on the guitar there. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, but it's interesting. Again, it's interesting that we brought up the point about how they were scared of Ace at this point. I mean, on one hand, they give them three songs on this record, you know, so they they weren't that scared, but they were scared enough to now give them an A-side, obviously, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that, again, they were trying to keep peace by giving everybody representation except for Gene, but I think, like we all mentioned, except for Ken, uh, Gene <laughs> is just not present on this record. I mean, everything that he put on here is, I'm not going to say it's garbage, but it's definitely weak. I mean, it, it ain't... It ain't no calling Dr. Love or anything like that. I mean, you know, it's pretty, you know, let's look in the book and see what I can find here real quick and whip up something. Um, but uh, I think the only thing I would have changed out of these singles for me would have been, as much as I know, sure know something is a great song, I love it. I agree. I would have put Magic Touch on instead. I think it's a better song to me. I think it's catchier. I mean, it's ironic that when Paul does his solo tour, he brings that out to play and a lot of people I know when they came out and was on that DVD that everybody was saying how fantastic the song was. And it was a song that people missed hearing, you know, and that Kiss never played live. So, I mean, I think that they should have definitely put that as the A side, you know, and, uh, you know, I think that's the only thing I would have changed. You know, I think everything else about these singles have been, has been said, so I'm not going to, you know, go on and on about it, but that's the only thing I would have changed. All right. Unmasked. Oh boy. We get two singles off of Unmasked. Both Paul Stanley songs. Shandy and Tomorrow. They do a video for Shandy. Not the best two tracks off that album. Not the best produced album either. But again, I think um, the Ace Frehley song, Ace Frehley gets overlooked again. Ace Frehley has some some good songs on there I think and Talk To Me was released as a single in Europe and in Australia and yeah. I, I would I would think that Talk To Me should have been should have been considered for me um, I would have put Talk To Me definitely on there instead of Tomorrow I think Tomorrow is just kind of perplexing I don't understand why that is released as a single off that album and I don't I don't think Shandy doesn't do it for me either I, I'm, I'm going to go off the board with what they did and I'm going to go talk to me as the first one and I'm going to go with is that you as my second single um I I don't I don't understand their their choices here and maybe there's a lot we don't understand about what was going on in the band at that point too their their band going through some transitions and you know maybe it comes out in their selection for singles as well but I would go talk to me and I and I go is that you um but the two the two tracks they chose just 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 don't work for me. So that's my choices. Julian, what do you got? Yeah, I agree. Oh, Shandy shouldn't have been a single anywhere. I mean, it, it, again, it would be fine as B side fodder, but you know, uh, not listening to the radio in 1980, I can't really figure out where it might have fit, fit into the bigger picture. Talk to me, definitely. They they should have let off with a more rocking track, especially with the album being pretty bland other than Ace's material. And even Paul, I mean, what makes the world go round? That was a single in England. That would have been fine. Is that you? Would have been fine. Um, again, the up-tempo rock tracks, but they don't seem to be going. Uh, 
in that direction in 1980 tomorrow i mean it's it's like ego gone mad here you know that all of a sudden we're gonna reinvent ourselves and put out shit that's totally um opposite side of the spectrum to every other single that they'd put out through their history they were a rock single band they weren't a singles band number one um but they'd always tried to do anthem type singles so they completely started breaking away from that and the album was failing so talk to me and I, if I've got to pick the other one, I'll go with uh, What Makes the World Go Round. All right. Mark, what do you got for Unmasked? Well, I definitely agree with pretty much what everybody's been saying. I mean, I don't I don't see the appeal of Shandy. I mean, it's not really a Kiss song. I mean, I mean Paul's the only one who plays on the damn song, so how is that a Kiss song? Um, I also think it's just another attempt that, you know, let's do something ultra commercial and hopefully that'll get things rolling and like you said it's it's interesting the difference between the singles released in america and then worldwide what they put out i mean it just seems like they had this vision of america that they just wanted this total cheese music and everywhere else we could put out other things and take a chance that it's almost like the rest of the world was a bit more broader in their acceptance of the music for kiss but um i think definitely I would have went with Talk To Me. I think it's the best song on the record. I love Talk To Me. It's my favorite song on there. And I would have also had the second single be Is That You? I mean, everybody keeps saying how unmasked is this pop album and how terrible it is. But, I mean, your singles are your first representation of the record. It's the first thing that people hear. And they base their premise on these songs. So if you don't want them to think it's a pop record, why would you go out and put these songs out then? You know, I mean, if you want them to think you're a rock band, put out the rock songs, put out Talk To Me, put out, you know, Is That You? They were more rock and maybe people would have thought, hey, you know, this is pretty good and give the record more of a chance and, you know, go on with a different approach listening to the rest of it. I mean, is she so European? I mean, I think Gene said it best. I mean, at that point he was writing everything and thought he should they should record everything that he ever wrote and he even said they should never have recorded this song. It's terrible. It's the worst, one of the worst Gene songs I've ever heard in my life. I mean, the, the fact that they actually played that on that, you know, video television program in Europe, they're on Kissology, I couldn't believe it. I mean, like, that to me is just, seeing them in makeup and those outfits and playing a song like that with a little wistful little keyboard line going on and stuff, I just, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. It's just terrible. Like, they should have never put that on there, you know? And, Naked CD, I think, is a better song from Gene. I mean, it's not his best song, but it's definitely more stronger. They should have put that as the B-side from the first single. Like, Talk To Me and that would have been a better single to come out with. I just think She's So European should have been just blown up and left somewhere on the floor somewhere. <laughs> but that's that's what I think. So. You know, that's interesting what you said, that you know you don't want people to think you're a pop band, you want people to think you're a rock band. But... Look, look at the songs they're playing and, and look at the image that the band is portraying at that time. They were becoming a pop band at that time um, from the singles they're releasing and, and just the, the super kiss image with the capes and everything and, and their appeal to a younger audience. They, 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 were in the, they were becoming a pop band. They were going down that road. But, you know, but they, they chose to go with those songs instead of the, the more rocking tracks. Ken, what are your thoughts on the unmasked singles? I wouldn't have gone with uh, Shandy either. As a, as a lead single, I actually would have went with Tomorrow myself because uh, that, when I bought the album, that was the first thing that stuck out to me most out, out of all the songs uh, when I was listening to it. It just 
you know, whatever catches your ear uh, first kind of thing. And I thought that was a, a well-written song and it could have made it to top 40 uh, radio. Um, the other one, I would have, as a second single, I would have released uh, Naked City. I think that's a great Gene song. Though I don't know if it would have picked up on top, you know, the top 40, but I, it's just a great song. I think that's one of Gene's better songs, uh, at least in the, in the pop kind of uh, sounding uh, music. Uh, it's just a well-sung song, well-written song. So I have no problem with that one. But otherwise, yeah, Shandy, uh, I guess Australia may, you know, <laughs> argue with that, not, you know, releasing it. But uh, the rest of the world pretty much said it wasn't the song to uh, release first. Interesting choices from Ken. It's interesting. It's, it's, it's just really cool how it kind of stands for what Kiss means to, to different mem- different people in the fan group that we can all sit here and say that there's different songs we would have chosen as a singles, even off an album like Unmasked, as much as Unmasked isn't a beloved Kiss album, we can all sit here and say there's, there's oh no, I would have chosen the song as opposed to the song, and you guys are wrong. It's, it's just different different perspectives from different Kiss fans. It's always always interesting to see. Um, music, we're going to do two more albums here, and then we're going to cut it off. Um, so we're going to look at music from The Elder. One single off of that, not a lot of love for that album, but depends on who you talk to, I guess. But there's one, they released one single, World Without Heroes, and the B-side is, is Dark Light. Um, I like Dark Light from Ace. World Without Heroes, you know, I, I think that even when they played the album to the record company, people were kind of scratching their heads before it was even released, that really this is what we're doing? I, I think that they missed the boat not going with Making the Oath, the lead single off of Music from the Elder, to at least give it a, a rock song, you know, to kind of grab back the Kiss fans at a straight with Dynasty Unmasked, to maybe maybe get them to go out and say, hey, I'm going to give it a try. I didn't like their last drums, but I like this single. Maybe maybe there's something here that, uh, that I need to pay attention to. So I would have gone with with the oath and dark light two rocking songs off that album to kind of kickstart that kind of kickstart that album. Uh, Ken, go jump right back to you. What do you think of the singles off of the I, single? Right. I wouldn't have uh, gone with the, uh, world without heroes first. I would have went with I, that was a, for me, that was a, a just a, a great, you know, another anthem song. And it, and it spoke to obviously the, the lyrics gene uh, philosophy in the lyrics there but i is is the one that man i thought why didn't they release that as a single i couldn't i couldn't understand it um the world without heroes was i can understand what they were doing there but they were kind of lost at that point <laughs> what they were doing they were they were really obviously uh, lost and but you, get to see no, which way to but you get to see Dream Cry. Yeah, in the video. And, yeah, I know. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, fake tears, that was. So. Um, uh, Dark Light as a B-side, I wouldn't have put that. That's a, that's a really good song. Um, maybe, you know, actually, I like the album. Uh, I'm probably on the side of the, some fans that actually enjoy the album. I thought it was strange when I first heard it. thought, wow, you know, it was kind of, 
this is so different than what they normally do. Um, but it grew on me, and uh, I really enjoy the album, uh, listening to it. But I would just stick with I as the one single to release. Julian, what about you for Unmets? I would have gone with Fanfare. Can can you just can you imagine the wonderful video they could have made for that? You know, with flutes and medieval. Oh, I mean, they could have just knocked it out. No, I'm I'm totally kidding. I agree with Ken. I, um, you know, if, if they the European model and Australia got it right, the Oath and I were the singles. Um, I mean, obviously England did a world without heroes, but I again, it's just a good anthem. It's just it's a really good song as well. I I love it so. I backed with, you know, I, I don't know if I'd go with the oath because I just don't think Paul's vocals uh, are within the realm of familiarity to his style of delivery there. You know, going falsetto, it, it's a little bit uncomfortable. So uh, B-side, I might, I might have gone something weird then with uh, like Mr. Blackwell, throw that, just a weird track on the B-side. Uh, but go with the anthem. It, it's a really, really good song. Mark, what do you think? Well, again, this is a very odd record I found. I mean, for a Bob Ezrin record, it definitely sounded pretty bland production-wise, but I guess when you're buried up to your neck in cocaine, I guess you could probably make the too great a record. Right? But um, uh, I understand what they were trying to do with the world without heroes. I mean, again, in America, they had this certain projection that we need to come up with a sappy kind of song for the Americans to love. Because as we just mentioned, everywhere else in the world, they put out I or, you know, the Oath. It seems that everywhere else could handle rock, song, rock songs from Kiss Still. I mean, why America couldn't handle it? I mean, like we said, it, they were trying to move, I guess, toward a certain other vision for America. But, you know, I, I would have, I agree, I would have put I or even the Oath as well for the A side. And I mean, since they were going so different with this, I would have maybe put I as the A side or maybe Under the Rose as the B side, you know, something different, like you said, or maybe something a little bit different and, you know, something, if it's going to go something different on the B side, at least try to make it interesting. Maybe some somebody might flip it over and go, whoa, that's kind of odd, you know, and maybe give it a chance and buy the album and listen to it. I mean, there was not very much that they did with this record to give people any interest. I mean, it has for sure the most blandest album cover of all time. I mean, a hand in front of a door, wow, like, how inspiring that is, you know. But I mean, it, I think as far as the singles go, I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have picked a world out heroes. I mean, uh, like I said, I understood what they were doing with it, but I think they should have went with something more, more rock. And I was definitely the one that they should have went with. All right, three against one for I. It's the lead singer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got one more of the day, and that is Creatures of the Night. One single off that one as well. Yeah. And it's I love it loud. Um, we talked pretty. Ex- we talked about creatures pretty extensively a few episodes back, um, and then when we talked about we talked about singles then off creatures, and I said I would have went with the title track, and I'm going to stick with that. I, I think the title track is a much better tune than I was made. I was made up. What am I? It is a better it is a better song than I was made for loving you, but that's not what we're talking about. It is, I think it's a better song than I love it loud. Um, maybe maybe it's because I love it loud to me is just so overdone in concert. I've heard it every time I've seen the band going back to two thousand, and I'm just done with that song. I don't I don't I don't need to hear I, I love it loud again. But 
I've always been a big fan of the song Creatures Tonight, and I just like the way the drums start off that song, and it's just balls to the wall song. I, I love it. I think that should have been the lead track, um, should have been the single. I'm going to stick with that. Uh, Mark, what do you think? One single off of Creatures. Well, this is one of my favorite records. I think it's number two on my all-time list of favorite Kiss albums. I really love this album. For me, personally, I don't care what they would have put out. I love the whole record. Um, but, you know, I, I understand what everybody's saying about how I love it loud. Is We've been so oversaturated. That, that's like another I, a rock and roll night. We've heard it so many times. We're so sick of it by this point. But I guess at that time, it made sense to put it out as a single. And it was catchy. It did have, you know, a pretty decent video put behind it, right? I mean, it was definitely projected a heavy image for them that they wanted. And uh, I think that that was okay. I mean, Danger is the B-side is a little weak, I think. I don't know. I wouldn't have put Danger as the B-side. I mean, if it was up to me, I would have put, would have put I Love It Loud and maybe, like, War Machine as the, as the B-side. And I would have won with two singles on this album for sure, Creatures of the Night as a second single, A-side, and for sure I would have put a, a keep, it, keep Me Coming as the B-side for that. And that's what I would have did. I would have put those out, and I think it would have did, you know, I don't know if it would have did any better. I mean, that record tanked as it did, but, you know, but I love this record. I, I, I really wish people would have given more of a chance. No, I, I, there's some great selections for, for singles off of Creatures of the Night. Um, and... I get we did only get one because the album was was selling so poorly and the tour was going so badly and they just had to pull the plug on the whole operation. But um, I, I think there's a, a lot better choices out there, especially as a B side instead of Danger. I mean, I don't, I'm not hating on Danger, but I think I think there's there's some other there's some other quality tunes on there. Ken, what about you for for Creatures? Yeah, I love it loud. Like Mark said, uh, it's been overdone. Uh, we're so sick of it, but I, I can understand it. It's a it's a good song. Um, I would have went with, uh, and I think a lot of people would probably disagree with me here, but I would have went with Rock and Roll Hell. I know Julian, I think, doesn't like that song um, from that Creatures episode from what I remember, but I, I, I like the song. I, I liken it to a little bit like uh, uh, Jukebox Hero, Foreigner in that vein. Um, that's Interesting. how I view it in a, in a to a degree but I, I think it's a good well you know well-written song catchy um it's one of the first songs that i really picked up on when i first listened now creatures of the night like lonnie was saying uh i understand that's a great song but i can't see that on a top 40 i can't see that radio friendly but though it's a great 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 song um so i'm gonna stick with uh rock and roll hell Interesting. Julian, what about you for Creatures? Hmm. Well, I, I, I think I Love It Loud is just too down-tempo. It just doesn't have enough going for it to be a single. You're a, a rock band. You're making a metallic statement of your return. You want up-tempo. I think Creatures of the Night title track would have just been the smart choice because it's the title track. It's also... Uh, very aggressive, assertive. I mean, it's right in with the sort of stuff you're hearing rock-wise, you know, back in that time frame. Um, and I would have put I Still Love You as the B-side on there. An edit, obviously, because you're not going to get six minutes uh, onto a single very easily. Um, 
and I agree with Mark that a second single should have been. I, I don't know why they just completely surrendered, other than having pissed off the record label by suing them a year or so before. <laughs> um, you know, a, a second single. I would have gone with a Gene song for that, and it would have been Satan Sinner or Killer. I mean, Killer is just killer. Um, lo- <laughs> love it. So, you know, second single would have been a must. And I, I think the video that they do for I Love It Loud, you could easily just substitute the audio track for Creatures of the Night, and it works as well for the for what the song is and the the style of the video. There, there's nothing there. Um, yeah. Creatures is just a better song, and it did get some chart action when it was released in England. So. Yeah, I think I think Creatures would have, for me for my money again. Creatures would have been a better choice. This is supposed to be their comeback album, as far as getting back to their roots and get, being a hardcore band. And I, I think that would have, would have set the tone, maybe maybe would have caught the caught the casual fan's eye a little more that, you know, oh listen to that. That's that's KISS. It sounds like it sounds like KISS. It sounds like KISS is supposed to sound like, but you know, um I get it with I Love It Loud though at the same time, but it's, it's just I don't I don't need to hear that song again. Anyway, we're gonna wrap things up for for this week. Um, but before we go, there's a couple things I wanna mention. Um, there's a few cool happenings going on in the KISS world. We talked about the Kickstarter campaign for Ross Radley's books. If you haven't done that, go out there and donate to Ross's books. We can make sure this book happens. Um, there's a couple other cool things going on. There's this, there's a thing called the Tom Hale Memorial Foundation. Um, this is a group run by Ira Boston, um, in memory of a fallen KISS Army soldier named Tom Hale, who was from Arkansas. Tom passed away in the fall of 2013. He was a veteran in the United States Army. He was a 3rd Division Army Ranger. And I met Tom a few times. He's a really super nice guy. And I met him at some Indianapolis KISS Expos and saw him at a couple KISS concerts too. Tom was in the Army and I was talking to him one night at the bar before the night before an expo. He's telling me that he was stationed in Japan in 1978 and actually got to see KISS in Japan in 1978. How badass is that? That's awesome. I mean, I mean that's that's like one of the, the coveted shows that people want to see still. It's Kiss in Japan in 78. How badass is that? It just blew my mind when he told me that. But it, it took a lot. Tom was very vocal about Kiss getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And every time I saw Tom, he always talked about that and how he was so disappointed that Kiss wasn't in the Rock and Roll of Fame. And it meant the world to him. And in 2006, Ira, the guy who's running the Tom Hill Memorial Foundation, he staged a um, protest outside of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And Tom took part in this, and it, it, and it just really meant a lot to Tom being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So when Kiss finally got in this last year, um, I, th- I know it would have meant the world to this to this Kiss fan. And in memory of Tom, Ira is staging another movement outside the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on August 16th, 2016. Um, and you can don't you can go to www.thmf.org to donate to this cause. And what am I donating to? Well, any money that gets donated, they're turning around and donating in Tom's name to the Wounded Warrior Foundation. And you go to this you go to this website. There's some really cool items you can buy. There's some dog tags. There's T-shirts. There's some guitar picks. Um, but it's just support. It's all in support of a full, fallen Kiss Army soldier who was a a great guy, and, and the Kiss Army lost lost a great man when he passed away in September of 2013. So, um, if you know Tom, if you didn't know Tom, go to go check it out. It's www.thmf.org. And 
One more thing. This October marks the 40th anniversary of Kiss's um, homecoming in Cadillac, Michigan. Um, I know there's some cool happenings going on um, in celebration of this 40th anniversary. Mr. Speed, with our own Andrew, is playing up there that weekend. And they are, they will, people up there want to erect a monument um, in Kiss's image, celebrating Kiss playing there. Um, if you go to www.indiegogo.com, they're trying to build a statue. It's going to cost $20,000 to build a statue, but they're looking for donations of $2,500 to get this accomplished. As of this morning, only $310 has been raised. So if you're a big KISS historian and you want to, want to see something like this um, happen, go to that website and and donate some money to, to get this statue erected by the high school. It would be a really cool um, kind of memento for the 40th anniversary of KISS playing that historic show and that historic homecoming weekend out there. Should be a statue of Paul Stanley holding the football, you know, when he's jumping up in the air. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice counterpoint to the Rocky type thing. Maybe you see him flirting with a band member or something like that. You see him flirting with one of the marching band girls. Christine's like, hey. Yeah, exactly. I have to have you. <laughs> All right, that's just gone to Gary Glitter and Jimmy Savile for me. But. All right, so in that tone, let's wrap it up this week. Mark, Ken, Julian, thank you all. I hope I haven't. I hope anyone still listening, listening, um, enjoyed it. Also, with me hosting this week, um, but I had a great time doing it, and hope to do it again. So, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye.